Welcome to The Lowdown, KMXT's new daily show dedicated to giving you the up-to-date information we have available on the COVID-19 outbreak and how it's impacting life on Kodiak Island. The Lowdown will focus on the facts as provided to us by local and state officials. During the show, we give you access to local officials and experts on COVID-19 and community actions related to it. If you have questions for our guests, please email them to lowdown at kmxt.org or call KMXT at 486-3181. You can find a list of upcoming guests on our Facebook page or on our website, kmxt.org. Audio from each day's program will be posted on the website. To the sad, sad truth, the dirty and good morning. Welcome to Tuesday. Big news from the governor last night. We'll get to that in a second. First, the introductions. After and during last Friday's show with Mike Frisero and Dave Kubiak, two local fishermen, we got a raft of questions concerning, concerning harbor security and airport security. And we had a chat later that day with city manager, ESC director Mike Twangy, and he graciously agreed to come in with members of his ESC team to address some of those concerns. And today is that day. With us today via video teleconference, City Manager, ESC Director Mike Twangy, and Deputy Harbor Master Monty Anderson. Call 486-3181 or email your questions to lowdown at KMXD, and we'll see if we can get them answered during the course of the program. Gentlemen, thank you very much for participating in the program this morning. Nice to see you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Mike. Well, let's first talk about the governor's proclamation last night and how it affects us here in Kodiak. So um, I saw bits of that on the news last night. I haven't had a chance to review uh, all the details, um, but I know they're talking about opening up our communities um, when the time is right. And here at the Emergency Operations Center, uh, we have an objective for this week to uh, review those uh, opening plans within the community. So we'll be rolling that out uh, sometime soon. So for the business people in town that heard it, it it appears to be saying that the state is opening today. Is it the state, some portions of the state are opening today with certain protocols in? Is there procedure in place? Um, and, and maybe just talk a little bit about that, the distinction between uh, the governor's mandates and how we deal with it on a local level. So we, this uh, Kodiak follows much of what the governor is doing as a mandate. Um, we're following the uh, the isolation, the hunker down, the uh, the travel mandates, etc. Um, but we're also looking out after our own community, and we can do that as a as a local government under a declaration. Under the declaration that came out of the ESC or out of the the city council and the borough. Uh, the Emergency Services Council. Okay. So um, what what then would what, – what's your timeline, I guess? When, when, we, when do you anticipate being able to put the safeguards in place for certain portions? And it, the governor didn't actually talk about the whole economy. He kind of specifically said restaurants and retail businesses that can use um, – can still employ safe – protocols to be able to open up and then they're going to still look at things. So 
we need to kind of gear into that and figure out, um, I mean, in other words, is there going to be a lot of interaction between you and the local businesses now so they have to go through a checklist before they might get it allowed to be reopened? That's right, Mike. Um, we are compiling the list of uh, businesses in, in town. We're working with the chamber, the Discover Kodiak, and, of course, the economic task force that was uh, started up here in Kodiak. Uh, we had a meeting yesterday to, to talk about our plan to roll out. Um, we'll be talking to businesses and asking for their safety plans to come forward, and and uh, we'll review those and see how they can open up safely. Um, this, is a, this is an objective for this week. Like I said, it doesn't mean we're going to open up uh, Kodiak by this weekend. So. So everybody just needs to kind of sit back and wait until they get the official word and approval that they can reopen. Yeah, and start, uh, you know, they can start thinking about their plan as we contact them. Think about their plan to reopen and how they can do it safely. Uh, there's a lot of businesses that um, should be open uh, if they can meet those uh, objectives. So... Bob, probably a week ago, I actually saw a directive dealing with uh, certain businesses not complying with uh, business plans, sending in plans for, I, I think it was more specific about um, people who had individuals traveling into and out of a, a community, those businesses that were even essential that had to stay open had to file a plan with the their local ESC. So to my knowledge, we have not had that kind of thing. I mean, you, you've seen plans from processors get uh, sent into the ESC for approval, but have you had to approve the plans for right general businesses and essential businesses? Yeah, so at the Emergency Operations Center, we have uh, section chiefs and we have a safety section chief who reviews those plans and yes, we have received uh, like contractors plans, um, other businesses that are not necessarily processors. They've submitted their safety plan. We've reviewed those and uh, approved those plans. Okay. So are you, are you forced? Sometimes, sometimes, excuse me. Sometimes we've had to uh, uh, go back and forth a few times to get them uh, uh, dialed in right. But, uh, but up to date right now, we're, uh, we've We've reviewed numerous plans. Okay. But n not not everyone had to submit a plan already to, to stay open as an essential business, right? Um, we haven't seen every plan under an essential business. Uh, right away, a lot of businesses that were considered essential um, did submit, however. Oh, I got you. So now, do, do you have the capacity to be able to review and to, to check out these businesses before they're allowed to reopen? Absolutely. Okay. Um, is there assistance from the ESC? You say you're, you're helping people when they submit a plan that maybe you've had to get them to tweak it a little bit, but on your ESC website or is there a, a reference to another source that could help a local business try and develop what kind of plan they need to have to come into compliance? Well, they can call the public information office, and and uh, we can help them that way. Okay. 
just as a hypothetical, you say you're a restaurant in town and you, you, you're considering reopening as soon as you guys would allow it. What kind of steps would they have to take in order to um, comply for you to be to, to think it was a safe place to reopen? Well, essentially, it's, it's the, the distancing. You know, the, there was a mandate that may have changed last night with the governor, but uh, no more than 10 uh, people in a, in a uh, business at one time. So uh, keeping the distancing. So the governor asked uh, local communities uh, to fill out a survey uh, that was due yesterday morning, which the, which the EOC filled out. I filled that out yesterday. And uh, one of the questions uh, was about um, how, how we could uh, open up safely. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about restaurants uh, that have in, in, indoor dining. And, you know, when we think about it is if there's only going to be a few tables within the restaurant, what can uh, the, the restaurant afford to hire for staff? Is it going to be just one waiter or one waitress serving six different tables? Is that proper distancing? Is that the way we should be um, mingling ourselves? So that was a question I left with the governor yesterday to consider that. Um, so I think it's, there's a lot, you know, as we go through this pandemic, there's a lot of unknowns and uh, we're kind of feeling our way through as we go each day after day. So, um, We'll review a plan if it makes sense to us. Uh, we'll okay it. So, optimistically, um, if, if your work progresses as you plan, now that you know that things are starting to loosen a little bit, when when can we really expect an announcement from you folks about when when <laughs> certain elements of the community can be reopened? Well. Uh, our objective for this week is to develop and prepare a plan, uh, contact businesses, and get the ball rolling on that. Um, we're going to follow the state's directive as well, but uh, locally we, we can control our own destiny. Uh, what we're really looking at is the data. Um, we have uh, 209 tests taken in Kodiak to date. We still have nine pending uh, results. Uh, we only have one positive case to date, which is wonderful news. Um, so as we, as we keep that uh, infection rate down or, or low, um, we'll, we'll be considering opening up uh, gently. Like the, the mayor of Anchorage, Ethan Berkowitz, yesterday announced uh, a phased approach. Um, we could probably follow that phased approach method. So is but, that, go ahead. But, uh, you know, we're going to look at the data. That really dictates uh, where we're going to be going from here. Do you feel like from the governor's office you're getting the, um, is, is, is there a feeling that each community then is going to be able to do whatever they want to do for their own protection? I mean, do you see any kind of a, of a clash between you and the state government about what kind of a, what rules apply in a local community? I don't see a clash, Mike. I, I think uh, it's pretty uh, understood that all disasters are local and we can treat uh, our communities as we see fit. Um, 
as far as the state emergency operations center goes, um, they're not going to tell us uh, what to do, when to do it. They let us make that decision. Great. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move into the harbor and talk about the harbor issues. Um, Monty, uh, how are things going down there at the harbor? Mike, things are going fairly well so far. I mean, we the uh, busy season will be upon us. As we know, the salmon don't understand this pandemic, and they'll be making their cycle run in from sea, and crews will be forming up. Um, I'm thankful for those uh, vessel owners and captains, you know, and operators who contact the harbor office prior, you know, to bringing their crew up and finding out what needs to be done. Uh, it, uh, it's a requirement that even without this uh, COVID-19, that all vessels should contact the harbor master to uh, use our docks and piers or receive a slip assignment. And uh, our waters go from Shahafka Cove or Mission Beach all the way to Gibson Cove and then over toward the uh, Trident Float Basin. Um, St. Paul Harbor, St. Herman Harbor. So they're required to contact the harbor master to use the city facilities. So right there is a good opportunity that with, if they tie up a pier two, a harbor officer meets them with a packet, with the Kodiak user agreement packet, or for smaller vessels, we can put them on the water float. We're uh, monitoring our transient floats, one right there in the channel next to the uh, Petro Marine dock, and also one in St. Paul Harbor next to the breakwater, the Harbor Transit float, to catch those vessels that come in and to basically intercept them and get provide them with the Harbor User Agreement packet. For those vessels under quarantine, we have the Yellow Jack, the Lima flag, quarantine flag, that we issue out to the, the vessels. Um, like I said, currently right now, it's it's not been super, super busy, so... Um, we've been able to, you know, uh, reach out to the vessels that are coming in as they contact us for use of our facilities. Um, then there's, there's owners, there's citizens that are doing the right thing and they're coming in and filling out their uh, user agreement packet early with, you know, do their safety plan. We do provide a template if needed. And um, we have posters that are, have been, set up in St. Paul Harbor, St. Herman Harbor, all over the harbor uh, with the attention to all mariners. That uh, Those flying in via airplane need to quarantine for 14 days. Uh, those vessels that are coming in, you know, they also have to have a quarantine for 14 days. If they've been four days at sea, they got 10 more days to fulfill their obligation. But so far, so good, I believe, Mike. How are you doing as far as staffing goes? The staffing? Yeah. Well, as the busy season comes upon us and we still continue this routine, we've, we've been discussing that plan to bring on temporary harbor officers or to bring on some reinforcements. Right now, we seem to be holding our own. So how has life, how has life changed? How has life changed for you in preparation for this? I mean, what kind of things are you doing now that you normally wouldn't do? And, you know, what kind of precautions do you have to take? Oh, yes. Well, first of all, you know, we had to do lock down the office and uh, we have a little window with a counter that was built and 
place there out, outside the harbor office for customers to use. We maintain our social distancing there. You know, now the staff has to, you know, glove up and they continue to wipe down their counter spaces and maintain that social distancing. Uh, the Fisherman's Hall, it was closed down. We had to cancel all the reservations for that. And the public showers and restrooms have been closed. So it's it's been a different adjustment, you know, from the normal. Okay, so... so- so the a new boat comes into the harbor and so they're met by a, a cheery harbor master uh, employee <laughs> who who then slaps him with a packet and says, "Welcome to the quarantine world," which I'm assuming most people actually know is probably going to be in place anyway. Um, Correct. Yeah, it's not like they're blindsided or with what's going on in the world today. What, what, even those who have been out west fishing and come in from. Bering Sea, and you know they they they've been updated via media and whatnot. So it's it's you know normally you know a brand new vessel comes in, they need to do a vessel mooring agreement anyway with us, and uh, so it, it's a good opportunity to give them a packet and uh, maintain our social distance from the crew, find out what their status is, what their last port of call was, how long they've been out at sea, uh, has the crew you know you know. It's kind of a information exchange period of time where you know you find out you're going to have any crew flying in. Uh, that's another thing. It's been nice to you know, like a, operators and owners of vessels have informed us they're going to have crew coming in at such and such a time, and they understand that the, this quarantine. They're not in the dark about what's been going on in the world today. It's just it, it's been a you know. A real learning curve or something out of the norm for us, but I think people are dealing with it pretty good and understanding they need to protect their harbor, protect their crew, and protect the community for the most part. We haven't had, you know, a whole lot of blowback on what needs to be done. Well, have you have you had issues? Oh, you know, they might spout off. Hey, we don't have to do that. Not, not my crew, but you know, generally they. So people people are actually maintaining the quarantine. You're not having people run off the boat in the middle of the night. Well, that, now that's you know we have our staff. We can't be at every everywhere at the same time. They still have to walk the floats and check the boats. Their situations, uh, vessel sinking. They're required, you know, to deliver dewatering pumps and take care of a emergency issue like that or all spill, uh, you know, they still need to do the routine job. There's a, there's this added task though, that we uh, provide the packet while the admin staff is not there during the day. Uh, it's, but so far we seem to be doing, you know, staying above water on that. Well, let me talk about this harbor. Any real, you know, any uh, negative, belligerent feedback sometimes there is but you know this is a, a tough lot and they, they have a dangerous business that they they do and, uh, so the captain of the vessel um, signs the agreement stating he will comply by all these rules so the captain is then responsible for the crew correct Absolutely. so is there anything in the use agreement that changes that's changed since the virus 
is there additional information and additional requirements now? No, um, I'll speak a little bit to this, Monty, and then let you uh, chime in as well. But um, we've, we've reviewed this uh, with multiple uh, people, and even the state has reviewed our Kodiak Harbor use agreement and doesn't see any real issues. A lot of the other communities, uh, coastal communities, have something similar in place. Okay. No, no real changes to our Harbor, Kodiak Harbor use agreement. So we can speak to a couple uh, pieces of the agreement if you care to. Yeah, I mean, it might be relevant to somebody who's interested in, in uh, how that whole thing works. Sure. Monty, do you want to start? or? Well, I mean, yeah, it, it is designed. It, it's set up in a, in a pattern that uh, for those who are crewing up, you know, they're going to have several on board. As the user agreement states, all, all vessels with more than one crew or client must enter into this agreement with the uh, city of Kodiak. And it, it, it does bring out the measures taken by the emergency services organization, organization to protect our community and also the, the operator and his crew. So um, all vessels arriving at Kodiak will contact the Harbor Master, VHF, Channel 16, and Channel 12. Uh, U.S. Coast Guard has uh, been broadcasting the mandate to mariners. They start over on 16, and then they transfer over to 22 Alpha VHF. Uh, I know I've heard some uh, comment we wish that could all be said on Channel 16, the emergency hailing and distress frequency, but... I mean, that's, that's the Coast Guard's business there. Um, vessel expectations during the 14-day quarantine. Captain and crew on board vessels may proceed with routine work as necessary. There's nets to be built and mended and boats to be outfitted for the fishery. Um, in, our, in our poster, we, we uh, have it quite clear that the vessels under quarantine needing supplies and groceries can contact their cannery or reach out to local merchants and supplies and groceries must be delivered to the vessel using call-in delivery or errand services such as the Kodiak Community Support Team and that number is 907-486-7656. Okay, what is that number for? The Kodiak support team, is that for getting things to a boat that's been quarantined? Correct. I mean, that is a help group that will uh, assist the vessel in getting their supplies so they don't have to mingle in Walmart and other public places while they're in their quarantine status. And, and who are the members of that group that provide those kind of services? There's... Uh... There's about 100 members of that group uh, run from the Salvation Army and uh, a couple leaders down there. Okay. I'm just kind of work, wondering about the interaction between the community and the quarantined vessel and how that's being accommodated for. Well, as far as that uh, food delivery, that'll be a drop-off service. So um, what... Typical uh, purchases, call, call the store or, or send a uh, list of groceries to the Kodiak Community Support Team. 
and they will uh, make that purchase for you. The store will put that together, make a drop off with a with a volunteer group, and they'll deliver it to your vessel. What about things like you know welding services and engine repair and refrigeration and those kinds of things that the boat may need? Do they just have to forego it for two weeks? No, there's still opportunity there. Um, our Kodiak shipyard is still open. Um, we've got uh, contractors that work out of the shipyard. They have safety plans in place. Uh, they're all particular. I know one is saying uh, they won't work on a vessel uh, with anyone aboard, of course. Um, so th that crew would have to find a quarantine location. And there's still motels open. There's B&Bs uh, open as well. Uh, they may not be sick at all. They just uh, are in quarantine status if they've traveled. Local boats, different story, but uh, uh, all the shipyard operators have a plan as well. So, so for, a, for a local boat that comes in and they've been gone for a while and they're under quarantine, the crew doesn't have to stay on the boat, do they? Well, the way we see it is a, a local boat that's been here with local crew, they're somewhat quarantined already, so they can go out and and fish and come back and, and, and disembark uh, unless they've gone to another port. So um, part of our uh, agreement states that um, if you've traveled to another uh, port of call uh, you, you're, and you've disembarked or mingled with the uh, offshore, is that the right? Yeah, offshore. Uh, you will have to start a quarantine period. So I think everybody understands they don't want to go through that quarantine period. So they try to keep a real social distance from anybody uh, from the vessel to the, to the upshore land. And uh, like you can get fuel, of course, um, you can go to the processing plant and deliver your fish. And none of those uh, triggered the 14 day quarantine. I got you. As long as you remain on vessel. I have a question here from somebody wanting to know about travel between villages. If you're if you're going from Kodiak to Port Lyons or to Larson Bay, uh, when you return, are you do you have to quarantine? So that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that, Mike. Uh, uh, the answer to that is no, um, unless there's you know some medical reason that uh, that you should be quarantining, like. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, you take a, a skiff from Port Lyons into Kodiak uh, to do some shopping or, or such. Um, you're not quarantined. Uh, and, and this, again, applies to uh, vessels with crew. Okay. So for let's break down how the quarantine actually works. You say the skipper is in charge of the crew. He's there at the dock somewhere um, flying a yellow flag. And um, is, is, there, is there any interaction between the harbor master and the vessel to make sure that the quarantine is maintained? Or are you leaving it up to the skipper to make sure that the, the vessel stays quarantined? Well, Mr. Mike, ultimately, yeah, he's gone into an agreement with us in the delivery of the Kodiak Harbor agreement. We maintain the 
social distancing. It's placed in a plastic baggie. It's, you know, our guys maintain that distance. And then um, ultimately his responsibility, since he signs on the line, that he is going to take uh, charge of his crew. He's going to be responsible for his vessel, his crew. Uh, but we do, you know, we come around from time to time and uh, we see, you know, how that that is going, how that bears. Are they, you know, mingling with other crews? Like I said, they they can still gear up and, and get prepared for their their work together as a crew, uh, as long as they're not mingling with others. Uh, but it is ultimately the the, uh, the skipper's responsibility or the operator of the vessel as they have gone into that agreement with us. So, um, so our staff up there to have eyes in the harbor and uh, to help maintain that. So, so far, we haven't had any issues that you've actually had to address. But if, if a situation did get out of hand, if you, if you as a harbor master noticed that the quarantined individuals off a boat were getting off the boat, I mean, how would you respond to it? Well, there would be a verbal there for sure. You're in an agreement with us. And uh, why are you mingling with others? I mean, you know, it's not even the harbor master that has chimed in on that, but other Folks of the community, uh, you know, have voiced their concern and uh, have seen perhaps somebody start to violate that and, and have chimed in. Wait, aren't you supposed to be under quarantine? You're, you know, why you shouldn't be socializing? You should, you know, you should be maintaining your distance. So it's not only the harbor master, but good folks of our community that want to continue to see us uh, healthy and safe and protect our, our town. So. Well, in a way, I'm seeing when we talked to the processors a couple of weeks ago, there's a lot of community policing or enforcing of some of these uh, protocols that we're trying to use to keep ourselves safe. And you're seeing that in the harbor as well. Well, to me, it boils down to individual needs to take that responsibility. But if he's accrued up with a captain who signed the agreement, there's the responsibility there. Now, is it is there fear that there are boats that wouldn't be um, fall under your umbrella because they wouldn't use uh, city city port facilities? Are you saying like Mike that they anchor outside of our city jurisdiction? Yeah, that was that was part of the fear is that the, the people were saying, well, okay, we we have some control at least over the people who come in and tie up to the dock and sign the use agreement for people that don't do that i mean everybody that goes into the transit dock now has to sign this use agreement is that right any inbound vessel i mean there's mike there's there's some vessels sitting there at that channel transit float or the harbor transit float they've been there well before the corn before the governor mandate before the COVID 19 uh, came to town um you know they've been unoccupied come the summer season things will start to ramp up and we'll have to interact as necessary. Right. That's that's where I was going. Right now, things seem to be under control. As more and more vessels start to come in, if this progresses, um, our, our, what, what's our what's our fear? I guess what what is the um, what is the link that might be missing? Well, that link is is already in the planning stage and has been addressed with the EOC and. Beefing up the manpower, uh, providing extra staff, 
or resources necessary uh, to uh, monitor the situation and uh, assist the, the permanent harbor staff at hand. So you're, you're a 24-hour operation, right? And and how how is staffing distributed? I mean, we have 24-hour coverage with um, people at three different locations all the time? Well, currently the staffing situation is on the day shift. We have uh, three admin staff there taking care of the office and all the all the dealings with that, uh, the billing and the uh, receiving of the radio calls. They're doing, doing a diligent job and getting the packets out. Monitoring, currently we have a log going of vessels under quarantine and vessels that have been cleared. Um, they... That's during the day's shift. That's from Monday through Friday, and that's from 8 to 5 p.m. There's uh, the maintenance staff, which works in the shipyard and also repairing the floats and maintaining the harbor uh, infrastructure as needed. Um, uh, currently, we have three of them on staff, and they work uh, Monday to, well, correction, uh, they're, they work from 8 to uh 16.30 or 4.30. Um, one has a shift that goes uh, from Tuesday to Saturday. The other one has a shift that goes from Sunday to Thursday. Um, and we have one who works Monday through Friday. For patrol, there are two harbor officers on duty, and normally the senior harbor officer will cover the, the town side of St. Paul Harbor, while the junior harbor officer goes to the uh, other side or a dog bay to cover the St. Herman Harbor. They also have their eyes in the harbor, both of them, you know, checking the docks, transit floats, piers. Like I said, they're supposed to call us, but you do get once in a while, you get <laughs> those who like to help themselves, or maybe they did make a call and the call wasn't caught by the harbor officer. Um, so that's basically the staffing, and that's, you're right, it's 24-7, 365 days a year. For the swing shift, you have two patrol officers on duty, and also for the mid-shift, from midnight to 8 in the morning, two patrol officers on duty. Okay, I need some, somebody needs some advice. They're home-ported here. They have a crew coming in from outside. What do they have to do to stay in compliance? Yeah, right. That's already calls have come in about that already. He's, you know, a concerned captain. He's going to bring in a crew. I just talked to a guy on the, over at Dog Bay this past week. While I was walking the floats, I stopped and, you know, I'd like to interact with the, the captain there and what his plans are. And sure enough, he's, he's looking at bringing crew in around May 18. And he'll use his vessel as a quarantine location uh, or, and he's, he's, that's the scenario of that specific vessel is going to bring them in at the same time, same date. And they utilize the vessel to quarantine together on, well, you know, where he can go home to his residence and see. Right. Um, so we have to deal with it by a case by case basis, pretty much. Mike. Labor intensive. <laughs> yeah. So I got one more question for the harbor before we move on to the airport. Um, what kind of extra measures are we putting in place to make sure that we don't see an influx of cases when fishing season ramps up and processing ramps up? 
Well, that was with the planning that we've been developing here, uh, bringing on the more, more manpower, more lookouts, more uh, help to uh, intercept any vessel coming in, reach out to them, and uh, communicate with them concerning this. Uh, you know, also, you know, we have our, our, our Kodiak fleet uh, that we can reach out, contact, uh, stay in communication with them regarding as it starts to ramp up, it starts to get busy. Um, we have their contact information and we can reach out to them. So pretty much, uh, manpower, you know, would be helpful uh, if, so right now we seem keeping our head above water, but I can see in the future. I think the EOC as well that the harbor would need more eyes as a lookout and to assist the uh, the staff as much as possible. Okay, and you're, so you you've got your core group, and you're counting on the fishing community also to help you sort of make sure things stay safe. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, your core group, and then. As the ripples of the water, you know, bring on our layers, if you will, um, extra staffing and that has been discussed. And, and, uh, and then also, like, like you said, it, it's true. Our, even our, you know, our hometown guys and, and gals, uh, those uh, professional, you know, uh, mariners that uh, live here in Kodiak are also helping us. They also are you know, a lookout and seeing what's going on. And uh, they, they too, as well, are concerned about transient vessels that are coming in and, and are willing to speak up if necessary. So I'm assuming that you have most of the plans from the larger vessels and that some of the vessels, uh, the smaller vessels in the fleet, are just starting to give you the, give the ESC plans for how they're going to they're gonna safely fish. And, and it sounds like if a vessel comes into port now, they're required to have one of these safety plans, too. So are, are we missing a group yet, the people that haven't started fishing yet? I mean, at some point in time, I'm, I'm assuming by this that every vessel who's going to use the port facilities is going to have to have a safety plan that's been approved by the ESC. That's, that's right. And uh, the, the safety plan is in the harbor use agreement, so... For this particular use. And uh, back to an earlier question, um, if you want to use the Kodiak Harbor, you must comply with the user agreement as long as we're under this COVID-19 uh, mandate. Okay. So, you know, this could be going on for uh, till early summer, possibly. Uh, we will be, as Monty said, uh, we will be having lookouts. Uh, as you come in, all boats uh, contact the harbor office. We'll be able to verify whether you just went out for the day. We'll have a checklist whether you went out for the day to fish or, or you've been out at sea for, for longer and, and where your uh, last ports of call were. So if you've just been out and about and captured your fish and came back to the processor and, and offloaded, uh, they've got safety plans as well, the processors, you know, and and then uh, you're welcome to come back into the harbor. What we're concerned about mostly is incoming crews uh, and uh, vessels that uh, have made other ports of call within the state. Um, I don't see any difference between Homer uh, 
or the Cook Inlet area and in, in lower 48 as far as the virus because it's uh, it's here in Alaska. Okay, let's jump into the airport. We only got about six or seven more minutes left before the end of the program. Um, the The situation at the airport has caused a lot of people a lot of concern about why um, there doesn't seem to be a checkpoint there. Well, you know, the governor mandated uh, that all travelers must complete this uh, travel declaration form. Um, there's been some concern uh, over where those forms are at, where they're going, uh, who's required to fill them out. Um, we got some direction yesterday from the Department of Transportation stating that they're for interstate travelers, not intrastate travelers, meaning within the state of Alaska. Uh, they are able to fill those forms online and, and send them to Department of Health and Social Services. We're working to get some of those forms back to us in Kodiak, but currently at the, at the, uh, at the, at the Kodiak Airport, we have a table set up and a drop box to fill those forms out. We have a spotter monitoring the number of passengers coming and going on a, on a daily basis uh, just to keep a, a count of travelers. And you'd be surprised, there's a lot of, there's a lot of airline travelers right now. Um, you know, right now the mandate as up till yesterday for sure was that it has to be an essential purpose. Uh, so let's, let's assume that it is. But uh, as we talked to the commissioner yesterday, um, other communities have uh, placed volunteers at the airport to get uh, compliance with those travel declaration forms. And, and why do we need those forms? We're worried about uh, an, an outbreak in the community and uh, this would be a good tracking mechanism to say, if someone came in off a, off a airplane and two days later or so developed symptoms of COVID-19, uh, we'd be able to zero in on uh, how many contacts they may have had. So the public health officials could use this information for sure. And uh, without it, uh, you know, there's, it's just impossible to track who's, who's been in contact. And uh, what we'd like to do is be able to let those people know that um, there's a chance you've been uh, in contact with a positive case and you should take uh, preventative measures so I think uh, I know that would help uh, anybody that's concerned about their own health. So, so what, we, what we're going to be doing is uh, placing people at the airport and seeing if we get uh, greater compliance because right now it's, it's uh, very few and far between. We've received, uh, as of last week, uh, the past eight flights, we received four declaration forms. And then uh, yesterday we received two declaration forms on the whole plane. So once again, they can be filed online, but we're working to get those uh, resubmitted back to the city. So that's the Sitka plan. You know, the people at Sitka are meeting people at the airport with masks and gloves on and giving them out information. And I'm assuming giving them the declaration form. So we're in the process of actually implementing that here. Yeah, that's our goal. Yep. Uh, we, we're looking for volunteers that want to go out there and meet these passengers. If you're interested, contact the EOC. Okay. 
Otherwise, we have to use internal staff. And at the EOC, we're trying to keep minimum contact with uh, the the outside, you might say. The um, in Sitka, it was community volunteers. Who's going to populate the the airport? Well, like I said, we'll, we'll have to use internal staff yeah. if uh, we don't have volunteers to do it. Okay, the, the, we got a we got a request here for. Is there an email? contact or a number for a business that's uh, wanting to reopen to contact you? Are you going to be providing that later in the week, or is there a number they can they can contact you now? Um, yeah, they can contact the uh, Emergency Oper- Operations Center Public Information Office. Um, the email address is PIO at city. At city dot kodiak dot us dot ak dot us so pio at city dot ak dot dot uh, let me start over <laughs> pio at city dot kodiak dot ak dot us there we go that was great uh, i have two more questions one brief little question let's let's talk a little bit about the alaska marine highway system i know you want to give an update on that yeah so thank you mike so yesterday uh we spoke to the department of transportation commissioner and deputy commissioner and they've reviewed our uh, kodiak harbor use agreement they see no issues with that as far as the alaska marine highway is concerned they will be uh sailing to kodiak and they expect uh early june uh, and they will, uh, you know, be at Pier 1 right now for the first sta- sale. Uh, disembarking passengers are somewhat like the airline. Uh, if they've been traveling, they should, uh, get, you know, quarantine if necessary for 14 days. Uh, if they're coming from interstate uh, in their essential workers, that's a different story. But they're going to follow those. Uh, travel mandates as well. And, um, you know, the Marine Highway is is uh, is critical to Kodiak, of course, and uh, this is not anything we're doing in the harbor is not going to affect that travel. Uh, Mike, let me ask you, would you consider using community volunteers either at the ferry dock or at the airport to greet people as they arrive? Sure, if they want to come and get a, a little bit of training from us and uh, and uh, be willing to volunteer, that would be very helpful. Otherwise, we're going to have to put on literally hire staff to do that because as the fishing season comes up, uh, we expect uh, you know many vessels coming into harbor some sometimes at the same time, and uh, we want to be able to accommodate those. We don't want a, a big queue lining up. We'd like to keep this flowing as best we can. So uh, we've been talking uh, with the state emergency operations center, seeing if they can provide staff. Otherwise, the city would have to hire some additional temporary staff. Uh, if a volunteer wants to sign up, uh, we'd surely welcome that. So contact Deputy Harbor Master Monty Anderson for that. Great. And I have one final question before we close today, and that that's a question about Coast Guard reserves. There's been questions about why the Coast Guard isn't being requested to assist the city in maintaining the harbor. 
Monty, can you address that? Do you know if that's a... We'll look into that more. Yeah, because the, of our you know, separate entity, it's been the Coast Guard has uh, has offered support. Um, they've got their concerns as well, and uh, we we can we can further address that question. Okay, we, we've been even considered the Alaska Defense Force uh, yeah. in that staffing route. Uh, so th there are some options there. There are tools in the bag. Okay, well, we, we've touched on a lot of things today. There's probably a lot more things that the people in the community are interested in, and they have your email address. You're going to address the community again Thursday afternoon at 12 o'clock, right? That's correct, yeah. We'll have the Emergency Service Council uh, there as well at, at noon on Thursday. So uh, please, if you have questions still that we weren't able to get to today, um, address the council, and they may be, be able to answer questions for you. On Thursday, um, I know many in the community are probably looking forward to how you progress on uh, following what the governor had to say yesterday. So thank you both very much for participating today and best wishes for you and all the work you have ahead of you. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Stay safe, stay informed, take care of yourself, take care of your neighbors. And tune in tomorrow for another edition of Ask the Doctors, the Ask the Doctors version of the lowdown. Send in your questions now if you have questions from our medical community. Have a lovely day. Thank you very much for participating. Thank you for having us, Mike. Okay. Have a good day.